Welcome back, everybody, to Jack Howard Colour, the podcast, and today's guest. I'm really thrilled that she's managed to find time. We have really struggled to get Leslie on. Leslie Jennison, Global Colour Ambassador for Schwarzkopf Professional. Welcome. Thank you very much, Jack. It's wonderful to see you. Really wonderful. I'm so glad we got to do this. I'm so thrilled too, Leslie. And, um, and you know, reading through your bio, I mean, it was just absolutely fascinating. I mean, I, I've met you, of course, and we've worked together. But I mean, the just the journey is superb. I mean, you started off your career at Bidar Sassoon, where you were there for 18 years. Um, and you successfully navigated being from sort of head of colour department and part of the artistic team into management, which was like, like a, a first, I don't know whether it was an industry first or if it was a first for, for the company you were with. So breaking that glass ceiling, I really want to talk about that. And then, of course, you, you've you also done these amazing um, session styling stuff. And session colorists are a rare, super rare breed indeed. And we usually are pushed right to the background. So see a woman at the forefront of that is spectacular. But let's start off, Leslie. How did it all really begin for you? Well, you know, I got into hairdressing kind of by accident because I really, when I was at school, I was very interested in history, very interested in English lit and, you know, English language. And, you know, I grew up in North London. So um, my parents would take us to the theatre a lot. So I was very interested in the kind of arts, even at a sort of early, you know, 12, 13. And... Uh, I really wanted to do makeup for theatre. I was very aware, even from a kind of young age, how how makeup transformed a character. You know, and I remember yes. the time we were sat in the theatre. God knows which one. Excuse me, I can't remember which one. Uh, but red velvet seats is very kind of dominant in my mind with the little, you know, the little... Um, Binoculars. The little binoculars, yeah. Used to get them, you used to pull them out, you used to put money in or something. Um, and I remember it was uh, Oliver Twist. And I remember looking at Fagan uh, and thinking, I could see that this wasn't an old man. I could see that this was makeup that had transformed him. Uh, and I was obviously very young because I uh, I kind of fancied, what's a boy in it? Not, not Oliver. The naughty oh, one. Dodger. Yeah, the artful Dodger. I remember artful thinking, Dodger. oh, he's so gorgeous. So I could only have been about 13 or something. So uh, just I remember that vividly. So when I was at school, I'd written to uh, the BBC because in those days they did kind of the best training for, for makeup and uh, for theatre and um, TV makeup. And I got a reply back saying you had to be 21 and a half. You had to have O-levels and this and this and this and um, an A-level in art and hairdressing. So I'd, I'd done okay at school. I went to college. I didn't get my history. So I went to college, sixth form, and I did my O-level history again. And I did an A-level in art, which I managed to get in in a year, which was, um, I, I mean, Jack, you know me. You know, once I kind of have something in my mind, I... I want it and I go for it and I don't stop until it's done. And yes, it's done really you, well. are, you are very, very focused. Oh, Very focused, yeah. Totally, totally focused. Um, so when I was 17, uh, I'd done everything and I applied to, to get into Fidelsa soon. And, um, and I remember that vividly. I remember climbing up 
incredible how these little memories stick in your mind, isn't it? You know, that I remember climbing up all those staircases, narrow staircases at Davis Mews in W1. And uh, I had the interview and, and I remember what I was wearing, pale pink leather skirt and jacket bat wing. That would be amazing. <laughs> jacket would be amazing. Now, I thought I was the bee's knees. Um, and I managed to get in and I purely went just because I wanted the, uh, the, the qualification. But I mean, literally, I, I, I loved it. I loved it from day one and I, I, and, I and sorry Leslie yeah. was that then in in that in that time of course Vidal Sassoon was the place to go and train oh absolutely um, incredibly hard to get into and but was was that actually an apprenticeship that you went for oh yes yes in those days um you had to go as an apprenticeship so it was a minimum three-year apprenticeship right and it was it was difficult to get in I remember the the uh audition the interviews there were lines of people you know and I, I remember for my semester there were two semesters a year that you know that they took people in mine they took in uh 42 or 38 and at the end of it there was two of us left yes you know it was a yeah. very very hard training I mean and I, I thank God for it I really thank thank the heavens for it because it gave me such a discipline in what I do uh, and I think that discipline allows me to kind of either have a massive freedom with application or it still allows me to have that discipline so um, I'm very very grateful to it incredibly grateful for for that time. The word discipline came to my mind too because of course when you do when we did three-year apprenticeships they were very disciplined and that you had to jump through hoops as you went along and of course not everybody can do that and not everybody succeeds but somewhere like Sassoon's of course at, at that period I mean that must have been a lot of hard work. Yeah it was it was I mean um, so my training because it was a colorist obviously you had to do a little bit of barbering and ladies and then you spent a couple of years doing um, coloring so mine was three and a half years and I remember it was four model nights a week so obviously I'm, yes. you can't do that now because of the amount of hours you're allowed to work nowadays but um four model nights a week I was finishing at 9 p.m you know and then because I lived in northwest London not north London northwest London and I trained a, a lot of my training was in Sloan Square um and I to be honest I I wasn't aware that it was you know long hours and all of that because you I was so into it and I so loved it apart from one tiny winter and I I remember it I've no idea what year it was, but I remember it from there was an album that they played almost on a loop in the salon. And I, I still now can't listen to it. It's Tracy Chapman. Oh, I love that. Album. Oh, I can't stand <laughs> it. I just honestly, if it comes on in the car on the radio, I have to switch it off. I cannot, cannot bear it because it was such a miserable time for me. You know, yes. It was like I can't remember what technique it was. I just couldn't get. I just remember it was cold. And I'd have to get three tubes to get home. And it was dark all the time. And and that was playing all the time. So it wasn't for long. It was only, you know, like a three or four months I was unhappy. But, um, you know, parents like my parents just say, right, you've just got to turn this around. You've got to turn it into your head to, you know, that it's, you know, it's only a short amount of time and you've got the rest of your career to come. Yes. You know? uh, that's, a, that's an interesting one, isn't it? Because the thing about 
those days and I, you know I hate to say in our in our era but of course it was it was different anyway but model nights weren't you weren't paid for them but you were expected to do them and they went on for a long time and so you basically lived in the salon didn't you oh absolutely absolutely i mean you there was no choice you absolutely had to have models and yeah. you know i mean in a way that kind of taught you to approach people you know I was incredibly shy as a as a young girl I was very very painfully shy but it taught you to be able to approach people you know uh, so it gave you another it gave you another skill set it gave you that skill set to then be able to speak to you know clients in the salon well, you had to hustle for clients on the street. You had to go yeah, and to ask to people. Top shop. Do you want, <laughs> yeah, top, do you want some highlights? Do you, do you want highlights? Can I colour your hair? And they'd be like, well, who the hell are you? And you'd be like, oh, I'm I'm an apprentice at, you know, wherever you were. And that, I found that quite oh. nauseous making. I mean, it used to make me feel sick. Absolutely. Um, that was the most challenging bit was getting the models. I think even now, you know, when you do shows and, and shoots and stuff, getting the models is always the hardest thing but in a way now because obviously production get them but I mean it's still getting the the right model for what you're doing is was always always tricky now the assistants of course have Facebook groups where they can kind of get them and stuff but we we never had anything like that I mean it was still two pence in the phone box I think (laughs) well it was for me Leslie I'm not saying it was for you but it was for me so 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 you finished that I mean you struggled through it parts of it you loved it obviously the passion the passion for hair color which is your little your tagline um it's still there how why did you choose color over styling yeah i do you know what i i think i know the 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 reason i went into color because after three months you know it's as soon as every three months you would be moved to a different stylist you would you would assist a different stylist you know those days each stylist would probably have well, at least one assistant each, yes. sometimes two assistants. I mean, that's yeah. heard of now with minimum wage and stuff, but which is a good thing. Minimum wage is a good thing. But, um, you know, I, I found myself in my first three months, I cannot remember who it was I, I assisted, but this, I went then to a guy called Christian, Christian Gardner, who was a colorist. And it was very unusual, again, to be put into color that early. I don't know why they put me in there, but... It just opened opened a, a world to me. Christian Gardner, sadly not with us anymore, but he was this crazy colorist, crazy colorist, curly, mad curly hair, kept Afghan hounds. I mean, he kind of his hair was a little bit like a kind of not straight like an Afghan, but he just it, he was just amazing. He did these insane color techniques. I remember, do, you know, the the inside of a a vinyl record you've got like a disc yes. in the middle he did this color technique and a perm technique so of course those days of perms where he clicked that out and wrapped the hair and then colored around it and then we did you know we used to do massive shows in those days before, you know up until pandemic but and he would throw them out into the audience and you know this is the days when it was all a little bit more kind of subdued and and his 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 character his com- charisma the way he was with clients, the way his clients loved him and the, the kind of flamboyancy of it all, I just fell in love with. And I think I kind of realised in a probably selfish way, to be honest, that you could shine in those days, you could shine more as a colourist because there were very few colourists. Yes. And, you know, 
the training was longer, but I I felt like the rewards were higher. Early on, it spoke to you. Yeah. So th- onto the floor you went, obviously after this, you know, fantastic experience, and then into into salon manager and onto the art team as well. I mean, that's a that's a heavy workload yeah. in itself. Yeah. Well, in fact, I I was uh, in the art team first, so I I'd been a tinter. Tinta Perma in those days we called them, but Tinta Perma. Oh my goodness, Perma. yes. And do, I mean, I remember. I don't remember this, but there used to be Tintas and there used to be Permas, and then the, the obviously the Perming died down, so it was Tinta Perma, and now it's just kind of colourist. But so yeah, so I was part of the art team, the UK art team, um, for quite a while. But again, you know what I'm like. Once I've kind of done what I can possibly do, I want to do more. So. Yes. Um, and, and I was wrong. I'm so sorry. You were head of colour and of colour. part of the art team. Yes. yes. Head of colour um, at Covent Garden. I think it was Covent Garden. So I was head of department there. So head of colour um, there and part of the art team, like the UK art team. And then I went into management, which, uh, again, gave me another skill set because you have to learn all those very unsexy things, you know, like P&Ls and you know, understanding how a business worked. But I was very, very proud that not only was I the first woman in the the company, in the history of Sassoon's, but also the first, you know, the first colorist to be a manager, you know, so to cross the line, to cross the line of uh, creative and management. Breaking Um, that glass ceiling then. Yeah, yeah. I think, um, you know, I was very lucky. I was really surrounded by very very strong women very very strong role models you know yes. if you think of Annie Humphries and Tracy Hayes and uh Leona Curran and you know uh, they were all very very um strong I, I and I think also I was kind of slightly wrapped up being at Sassoon's because I'd never realized that women you know that I just presumed that you could have whatever you wanted you know, my, my parents very much uh, brought us up that way. You know, that whatever you want in life, you can get if you work hard. So, Leslie, making that transition, which was, I think, huge, breaking that ceiling, even though you were surrounded by these really strong women and there's some very strong women in, in, in that conversation just had, women that I really admire, did you face pushback with, from within? I mean, I'm not saying name names or anything like that, but was it a struggle making that move then in that period of time I have to be very honest Jack it it wasn't I didn't get any knockback Uh, um, and I do really think that's because you know everybody there was so seriously talented that uh, I'm not saying I'm seriously talented I didn't mean it like that but what I'm saying is that they were you are seriously talented so you know I meant that no, I everybody was, you know, everybody was comfortable in their own situation, in their own skin, in their own talent, in their own positions, that I truly, I truly didn't get a knockback. I think, um, and I appreciate, I really, really appreciate the fact that I was very lucky to be in that kind of position, that situation where it was truly on talent and, you know, not who you knew or or what you were or, or anything like that it was very lucky very lucky. that's amazing that's an amazing uh piece of the story for you so 
I wanted to sort of leap a, a little bit forward. Be, I mean, I actually think we could do a whole podcast on just that history. You know, it's so so fascinating to me. But when you you left and you went into session color, now we always hear about session stylists, right? I mean, they're always at the forefront with their crew, and it's usually colorists that sort of shoved into the back doing the color. Um, but you went into session color and were very successful at it. Yes, uh, yeah, thank you. I mean, it took a long time. It wasn't. It wasn't an instant thing. It took a couple of years to really kind of get my foot in the door. You know, I started off by kind of assisting anybody, obviously not colorists, because there really wasn't that many people around apart from colorists doing films. Um, And I didn't want to do that. But I would I would assist stylists just to get a kind of feeling of what this world was. Uh, and and more how it worked you know it you know as you know it's you have to really understand lighting and uh camera angles and and stuff like that to you know because coloring hair for a shoot is is so whether it's a brand shoot or commercial or a video is so very different from coloring a client in the salon yes so so it you know I was lucky that I, I managed to kind of learn learn that um and then I started getting asked to do um, stuff like a, a soap commercial and beauty commercials and skin commercials. And so it wasn't really, it wasn't a, a sort of sudden thing. It was very, very gradual. I, I might have one job a month and then another five, six weeks and then another one and then a couple in one month. And it, so it was very slow, which in a way is very good because it let me build up my kind of knowledge and again you know I talk about skill sets because I think it is it's you know a yes. skill set that was quite different from what I, I already knew um, and so I I loved it I loved doing that it was it was quite amazing how how to I mean specifically to, to learn how camera you know where to kind of put this the light and how to get hair to kind of shine more but only in certain places you know etc um, and I loved, I loved that. Um, and I think it really um, made my mind made up that I didn't want to go into filming, uh, you know, being a hairdresser or colorist on films because, you know, you're you're spending a lot of time sitting around. I mean, which you do on commercials and you do on brand shoots. So there is a, there is an element of that, but I think when you're working on films, you know, there's sort of weeks on end where you're not actually doing much and I uh again you know what I'm like my I'm very active in in wanting to work I'm I'm always wanting to be doing something and if I'm not I have to think of a project I can you know start to think of you know like you can see some of the colors I'm trying that I'm working out um in the back there I don't know if you will see that um so it really made up my we, mind we, we can see everything Leslie we oh, can see your complete studio up oh, there great so I, great great I fit- I feel like I've been to it anyway, yeah, yeah. So, even though I haven't. <laughs> well, you've seen me here plenty of times because I've asked your advice on lighting so many times because you are the dream, dream, A-star at lighting. <laughs> anyway, to finish that, I, I, I love doing that. It was more about beauty hair, which, again, is something that I love to do. But um, it, was, it was very sporadic in its, uh, in its work, in its kind of... Um, Obviously, not a yes. five thing. Yes, and I, but I do think it's really, really interesting because you started off 
with your love of theatre, creating characters, and then it led you into hairdressing, and which you you sort of fell into colour in some ways, and then you found a passion in that. And then as you go on to doing session work and commercials, you were still creating characters in that, aren't you? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, when you, I mean, I'm just jumping forward a moment, but when I when I do a colour for essential looks, I'm I'm also thinking of a character. You know, yes. always also thinking of a kind of muse who that person would be. So yes, that's very true. Very yeah. true. I never thought of it like that, Jack. And Leslie, you're now a global colour ambassador for Short Scott Professional. How did that all come about? Now you've had the role for a long time, it's obviously evolved and changed. How did it start? So how it started was um, I had an invite from Simon Ellis, who is the global creative director for Schwarzkopf Professional. Uh, I hadn't seen him for many, many years. I did know him before. Um, and he'd asked me to do a brand shoot for um, a colour called Vibrance, which is the sort of demi-semi product. Um, and I we love vibrance. Yes, vibrance. Vibrance is a beautiful product. Oh, I love it. I absolutely love it. But it's not the obviously not the relaunch just a, you know, a year or so ago, or the one before that, but the one before that. And uh, I went to Germany. I knew the photographer. He's actually my brother's best friend, which was really bizarre. Really bizarre. I knew him from you know when we were young. Again, I haven't seen him for twenty years. And um, we did this shoot, which went on to win. Um, industry awards and I think from that they were very happy with that that they asked me to do one essential looks uh, and that was shot in London and again it was Simon Emmett shooting um, which was wonderful the whole sort of setup was just wonderful really I just felt I loved it it was a hair shoot and the only other hair shoots I'd done were kind of really Oh, with Peter Gray and Rankin and like, like really kind of crazy, like full on, full on stuff. Yes. I'd not done sort of beauty hair as such. So um, that was wonderful. But then I wasn't asked back for a year because they already had contracted somebody else in. Uh, but they, they had this one essential looks that they had nobody to do it. So they'd asked me to do it. Um, but after the year that, that somebody else... Um, was doing it they asked me to do it again and I've done it ever since and I I really I'm so seriously I'm really really passionate about essential looks because I know uh you know some of the imagery is a little bit you know it's strong some of it's you know uh, just beautiful kind of salon work and even though not necessarily you know our many of our clients going to have these kind of really strong strong looks it's still you know beautiful imagery uh, and I think, you know, there are there are elements to, you know, some of these images that come into focus later on. You know, if you think about 10 years ago, did we ever think that, you know, pastel hair would be seen on most streets in villages and towns all over the UK? It just wasn't, you yes. know, there was not, not even a thought that that would happen. I think, you know, we we're very it's lucky that, to be... I think, Leslie, it's that devil wears Prada moment, isn't it? When um, a belittle when um, Meryl Streep's character belittles Anne Hathaway's character about the blue sweater that she's wearing yes yes and I, I think that sometimes it's hard to when you see something that's strong visually 
um, you know, on a runway or in a photograph and to think, well, that's not, that's not my client or, or that's not me, but then, you know, over a period of time, you see it filter in and you're absolutely right. I mean, at one point it was just a little strand of pink or something in the hair. And now, you know, you could go anywhere and you just see full throttle pastels, brights, vivids on people. People can do whatever they want with colour. Whereas 10 years ago, possibly even five, you might have said, well, mm, yeah. maybe not. I think we're very lucky to be colourists now. I think, you know, when I first qualified, it was a, a, a sort of era of full on colour. Not necessarily all of it being very gorgeous because it was the kind of, uh, you know, the stripes and stuff. But there was a lot of colour and women on the street were wearing lots and lots of colour. And then that died off and it's been kind of very, very soft and subtle ever since. Until sort of probably seven, eight years ago where it's, you know, colour is so prevalent now. And the other thing, of course, Leslie, that you see of course now is like a resurgence of that kind of 90s feel you did your Alice fans and everywhere we're seeing, we're seeing these big chunky pieces of lights in there. We're doing stronger face frames on people. So people, people's kind of subtlety is moving out again and getting a little bit stronger in the field. And people are seemingly more confident about coming back into the salon on a more regular basis, even for your natural women. Um, it's, it's a little bit stronger than it was maybe you know, at 2010, 2011. It, it, that's the wonderful thing about colour to me is that we are continually evolving and we really should be continually assessing what we're doing and where it's going. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, people are, are more interested now into being a little bit more individual and not just following, you know, not just kind of melting into the background. You know, and yes. I think people are more aware now that, you know, with the products all over, all over, you know, not, not, just Schwarzkopf, every kind of product has, is so much more caring and, you know, not damaging on the hair. So, you know, you can stop and change and do different things without being detrimental to, you know, the fabric of the hair. Yes. Yes. Now, Leslie, you work in the salon as well. You work at Billy Curry in London. Yes. Um, So what I love about that is that you aren't a colorist who's just doing campaigns you're actually listening and with women very similar to what I do so I mean I really love that have you found obviously we've been in lockdown after lockdown after lockdown in England have you found the expectation of clients has sort of is out of control when you're behind the chair at the moment or how do you manage that expectation gosh it's a complicated one is it different for you there now or do you still find it? It's all okay. I, I mean, I love it. I'm not there very often, you know. Like you, I probably do four days, four days a month, and I love it when I'm there. It's definitely different, um, in the fact that you know I can only do so many clients now, whereas normally I'd have four on the go. Um, yes. I'm not able to do that because that's unfair on other people that are working because obviously the yeah, number of seats that we're allowed to use, you know, um, social distancing, etc. It's different. Uh, I think the level of service that we give is incredible. Uh, however, I do, I love to be full on busy. When I go to the salon, I like to start crack of dawn, finish late and just be looking after all my clients. I don't necessarily do new clients now. Very rarely do I do new clients because... Right. If somebody calls up and they particularly want me, 
uh, obviously, you know, I, will, I, I love to do it. It's not like I don't want to do new clients, but we make them very aware that I'm not there that often. I very, very rarely would cancel a day because, as you know, Jack, you know, we're very lucky that, that, that Schwarzkopf is very kind of um, organized and they, you know, it's normally months in advance that everything's booked up. You know, my, my dates yes. next year are almost booked up. So, um, but I'm just not there very often. So uh, even with all my clients that I do, I, I have particular colors that if I'm not there, they, they can go and see. So it's, it's difficult that you, you're not able to do as many. I, I'm not fairly deaf, but I'm quite deaf. Uh, you know, as a child, I was in and out of hospitals having, you know, um, grommets put in my ears and it's kind of scarred uh, my inner ears. So I, I, I've always kind of lit read at the same time as talking so it's very hard for me to hold a conversation when I can't see what's going on so that kind of slows me down because I'm constantly you know going up closer to to, to sort of hear them and yes. of course you know your clients want to catch up with everything so they want to talk and talk and talk which is wonderful you know that's what we're all about we love to communicate and we love to be with our clients um but that I found very hard. And, you know, I, I appreciate we're not going to have a, I doubt very much we're going to have a lift up of this in June. But um, I am looking forward to when we, we don't have to wear the masks. Mm. I, I actually find the masks hard, but I didn't know that about you, Leslie. I, I never knew that about mm. you hearing impairment, if that's the right terminology. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you'll probably <clears throat> um, see me next time we, we see each other. You'll probably notice because I look at your mouth. I look at people. I thought you were looking at my dazzling teeth and my diamonds. <laughs> of course I was, Jack. Of course. <laughs> now, as we're on the pandemic, um, I mean, both you and I talked all the way through the, the lockdowns that we've been through and supported each other. Um, you managed to successfully navigate from the big shows, which I know that you love, and you you spent an awful lot of amount of time travelling to bringing something a little bit more homely and into your stu your wonderful studio that we can see today. And you've been able to navigate into educating digitally um, from home. And I know that that's hard, what with lighting, trying to figure out camera angles, you know, doing it all yourself, because we have been so used to having a whole team, right? I mean, yeah. all these shoots have loads and loads of people supporting us. All we do is turn up, do the work, and then we go home. How How... How was that for you? Because you talk about disciplines th throughout this conversation. You've talked about disciplines and you talk about growth spurts and, and all these things. Obviously, it's been a great growth spurt for you digitally. Um, what was the experience like? Well, first of all, I want to take this opportunity to thank you, Jack, because I, I really appreciate you gave me lots of advice from, you know, when I very first started doing them. You, you helped me kind of hone it to, to what I do now. Uh, what I was doing so I want to thank you for that and and the advice on the the lighting and everything what to what to buy and stuff so thank you um, well listen it's not it you know people helped me too and if anything in life we hairdressers support other hairdressers and Absolutely. you know I think yeah. it's our duty um as as hairdressers to be able to assist up you know up and coming hairdressers or people just coming into the the industry I think it's you know, it's it's only right that we give back. But yeah, I, I, you know, I, I found I found the first few 
gosh, more than the first few, terrifying, terrifying, because it was so different to, to any kind of medium that I've ever done. You know, I mean, a, a camera work, like you say, I have, we have a team of people with the questions written big. They, they give us 10 minutes, five minutes, you know, they, I mean, you yeah. literally have to just go in front of the camera and talk what you know about. So um, I found that terrifying terrifying not being able to see somebody's eyes and read what they're loving and going down you know when you're on stage you can look out and you can see somebody nodding so you can kind of go down and carry on with that track that you're on or if it's you the think connection isn't it yeah you need that kind of I mean here just as again we, we love that connection um but once I honed it down to doing just you know one subject and I loved them I absolutely I loved doing the half an hour sort of Wednesday lives. And I mean, at the moment, I now I'm not in a position to don't have the time to be doing those. So I'm doing like a weekly bite size, um, just like a few minutes on a particular subject, which I must post today on that note. Posting. You've already so you've started up working more more work going on i know i've said things have started moving yes, for me yes um but i'm going to keep my digital stuff going i mean i i really enjoy it and enjoy the audience so you you're doing your bite-sized pieces you have tremendous engagement on your lives you have this family I joining know. in the chat with you you see i would love that i i now actually while i'm i'm here i should ask you but i love doing it but i know what's what works best is that you have it weekly or you have it a particular time each week now that is what I cannot commit to I mean you know like this week I have no time because I'm working and then I go to Milan on Saturday um but then I get back I get back Tuesday and then of course I have to isolate for five days for a test to release so I yeah. won't have time but then is that not a little flaky if you're only doing one here and one there I don't know I think if your audience know that you're you're busy and you're traveling and I certainly you know the whole 10 days quarantine thing I mean I just finished my test and release the other day um thank goodness for that um but I I found that people people enjoy them anyway yeah. and that if you still do them I I think people love them um, and they love seeing you so I mean I certainly love seeing you in action oh, what I love what I I really loved about this was um, your lives, Leslie, is that you you started off and, of course, you, you, were, you wanted to give value, right, which is what we do as colorists, anyway, we want to give value. And there was so much going on. And yeah. um, when, when you started bringing it down, I mean, just that chat we had about blue shampoos, <gasps> 45 minutes talking about three products. And, you know, the engagement was fantastic. Yes. And people were really interested. And you know... You're one of you're a hair geek as well as a hair colorist. You know all the ins and outs of the stuff, which is fascinating. Um, but I think that people people love that the technical bit about it. And when you do your comparison shows of two different products and what the product do and what you can do with it, I think they've been absolutely helpful to our community. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you. It's it's been it's been wonderful for me as well. It's been fantastic. I mean, apart from learning how to do it and how to do it, you know, so that people enjoy it, it's having, um, again, talk about connection, but it's, again, seeing what people are asking me and seeing, well, also the comments. You know, my yes. lovely mummy, you know, like, obviously, my number one fan, watches me 
every single week and she'll she's the first person that calls me um while I'm still up here before I've even gone downstairs um and she calls me and she says oh now I said you were wonderful today and from and she's it's so wonderful so nice she watches them three or four times over I think I, people don't, I don't think people know what it's like. I mean, I don't know about you, but the hour before I go live, I'm pacing the house. <laughs> I'm yeah, checking, oh, totally. the camera, checking the camera, <laughs> making sure the lighting, because, you know, in England, of course, I mean, obviously we've got these beautiful summer days and summer's nights till sort of 9, 30, 10. But in the wintertime, oh. the, the light changed every five minutes and I used to be crying. Yeah. And then afterwards, I'm so pumped. Yes, Absolutely. I don't know what to do with myself. So it really is three hours. Oh, you know? and some. Sometimes it's even more, isn't it? I mean, my partner will testify to that. Like, for goodness sake, Leslie, just sit down. I'm like, oh, no. yeah. you know, it's and it's not that it's nerve wracking. There is a there's an element of nerves, but it's an element that you just want to do something really well. Yes. Uh, and you want it to come across well and you want everyone to get something from it. Um and I think that I, I mean, this is great what you're doing with the, your Jack and friends is you, you're kind of explaining that, you know, doing the live is not a matter of turning up in front of the camera five minutes before and switching the lights on because, you know, it's, it takes me a couple of days to get everything together. Colouring mannequins, as you know, is hideously laborious. You know, in the fact that you know, styling mannequins, yeah, yeah, so, oh, yeah, for you and me, right? Oh, no. I mean, oh my god, hideous. You know, and I don't have, I don't have a sink on this level, so I have to go down a couple of levels, you know, to wash it. Then I have to come back up, and I mean, it's only a couple of levels, but you know, it's the whole thing. And like you say, blow drying hair, you know, and styling it is so far from my comfort zone. Um, but you know, that's just another, again, another skill set. But I've loved Absol- it. Absolutely. Well, I hope you carry them on. Um, I really do. Even if it's monthly and that you, I know that your diary is always busy, but if, if you plan, I'm, I'm sure your community would love it. I want to ask you, Leslie, first of all, it's just been amazing to have you on. And the, there are things, I mean, we've spent many a night after a, a show or a shoot having a, a drink and a chat and everything. And, but, uh, you know, there are some real interesting nuggets in that conversation today. What's next for you? You're talking about the Diaries Busy Next Year, which is so exciting. I've got trips planned for later in the year, which I'm just hoping that everything opens oh, up and stuff. Yeah. What's next for Leslie? Well, I'm, I've started off a series of sort of webinars, uh, which is obviously different from lives because you're, you're doing it. I, I do it through this um, computer. And it's all about doing techniques, whereas I don't do techniques on the the, the lives. So yes. it's about giving more information. So I'm, I'm reaching a more of an audience that way. For me, it's uh, I have the seminars, that are, the live seminars, which I'm really looking forward to. So that even though I've done a couple of shoots recently, uh, this Saturday when I go to Milan, it's the first seminar I'm doing. So... I'm really excited about that. And then I've got a number of seminars booked all the way through to uh, late autumn. And then next year, there's a couple of big shows going on. So uh, just really, really exciting as, you know, people carry on with their vaccinations and et cetera. Absolutely. So I'm going to be in Milan later in the year. And then I'm heading back over to London and then Germany, all from the USA. So there's some great 
travel going on and some great things. My my hope is the same as yours, is that people feel sensible and, you know, whether I'm going to happily say get vaccinated, um, that's my belief. Oh, and if you, you know, and let's get ourselves open and get back out there. Absolutely, absolutely. What a joy to uh, be to hear more of your story and to see you on here. And I just want to thank you so much for joining today. Jack, I've, it's been a pleasure, an absolute pleasure and to see your face. <laughs> I know, I know we took, we, we had a couple of dates to do this and we were both kind of, we had to, to, to sort of change it about and stuff. But this is bloody wonderful that we've got this done. So thank you very much for inviting me on. Uh, it's a great story. I'm so glad you could share it. And let's see more of you all over the place very, very soon. <laughs> Thank you very much, Jack. Lots of love to you. Lots of love. Thank you, Leslie. Oh, bye-bye, darling. So I hope you enjoyed this podcast as much as I did making it for you. Don't forget to subscribe on your channel that you download your podcasts from. iTunes is my favourite, but I know there are others out there. And also, if you want to follow me on stories on Instagram, it's Jack Howard Colour, C-O-L-O-R, the American way, not the English way. And on Facebook, it's Jack Howard Colour, C-O-L-O-R. And my website is www.jackhowardcolour, C-O-L-O-R.com. <laughs>